Welcome to America's Voice for Energy. Each week on this show, we have the opportunity to address a different aspect of the energy debate. And on this show, for each segment, I like to have different experts, especially those who helped me with each week's column, I like to have different experts who can kind of expand on the topic of each week's column. This week, my column is based on some polling data, some brand new polling data that was just released last Thursday. And based on this polling data that I received, I decided to switch topics. I was going to write on the G7 and their announcement that they're going to decarbonize by the end of this century. And uh, my column title was possibly going to be the G7 decarbonization announcement, reality versus rhetoric. And that was where I was planning to go. But when I got the information about this new poll, I decided to switch gears because I like to address things that other people are not addressing already. And I felt like this polling data probably was not going to get the news coverage that the G7 got. And so I switched gears and went with my theme. The title of my column is Republican Candidates Must Be Strong on Energy. And the poll was something that was uh, uh, put together by the Consumer Energy Alliance. And for our first segment, we have Sean Martini, who is the Communications Director for the Consumer Energy Alliance, and he's going to tell us about you know, the, the motiva motivation behind this poll and what they learned about it. So, Sean, I'm delighted to have you with me today on America's Voice for Energy. I'm sure glad to be here with you, Marita. Happy to be here. So, as I mentioned, you know, your Consumer Energy Alliance is who uh, initiated this poll. Hickman Analytics is who actually carried it out, and we're going to talk with them in the next segment. But tell us, why is this poll of interest? In, and you did six different states, but with two really different kind of questions. Can you explain your motivation for that? Sure. So Consumer Energy Alliance represents energy consumers uh, in the policy uh, discussion on energy at, at both the, uh, the, the federal, the state, and the local level. Uh, and so what we, what we try to do with these polls, we do them uh, pretty much every election cycle. We've done them for the past several years. Uh, and what we want to do is track public sentiment in, in a few of these key states on, on energy policy and what people think with regards to different forms of energy and how we get that energy out of the ground, how we generate it in our electrical generation plants, uh, and how important it is to them when they make their voting decision. So we have polled people uh, in six states so far this year, uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, and West Virginia. Uh, and we've taken a look at, at some of the sentiment uh, that folks have on, on uh, of varying and, and sort of broad issue set uh, in those areas. Uh, and what we found is that the public uh, resoundingly supports uh, a wide variety of ways to, to generate uh, energy uh, domestically here in the United States. Uh, we've also, you know, found a couple of project-specific uh, pieces of information uh, that we were, were happy to see, uh, you know, broad public support in a few of the key states for the Atlantic Coast Pipeline, continued support for the Keystone XL Pipeline uh, in these states, uh, and we know that at least 80% and, and most of the time it's above 80% of those voters 
are going to be taking candidates' positions on those issues uh, into strong consideration when they make their determination that they're going to vote for in the primary. Yes, and I was surprised because you break it down in, in by party, Republicans, Independents, and Democrats, and that's kind of where I went in the direction in my column. Obviously, you guys are doing pretty straight polling, but I get to do opinion and analysis. I get to have a little bit of spin to it. And so as I read uh, the results of your polling, uh, and I have links to each of the memos for each state uh, in my column so people that want more information can go there and get that. But what really struck me as I was reading is how big the partisan divide was, number one. Number two was, though the divide is big, uh, partisan, you know, it's, it's a very partisan issue, I was surprised at how strong in several of those states the support was from Democrats. Yeah, for us, uh, energy isn't a partisan issue, really. Uh, it, it, it's a policy issue, but it's not a partisan one. And, and to your point, there, there are several of these issues in a couple of the states uh, where Democrats themselves are very closely divided. Uh, and, and the support is actually uh, on, on the positive side amongst Democrats. And I, I think the key thing for us, too, is that uh, independents uh, support all these issues, uh, with, with about the same sense of urgency as Republicans do. Uh, so what that tells us is it's, it's really, you know, not a partisan issue. You have to break it down for the polling because that's just what we do uh, in order to measure things uh, in, in this system. Uh, but, but for us, it, it, it tells us that, that people across the spectrum and, and a, a majority of folks really do support these issues and understand them uh, and, and have thought about them uh, consistently. Yeah, and that, that's why what I was commenting on, that I was surprised that Democrats were as positive about these issues. And as you said, really overall across the board, the support is strong, though, uh, as I pointed out in my take on your numbers, is that when we've got so many Republican candidates out there that I believe if they see, read this polling, um, they, will, they will definitely uh, – in their in their speeches and interviews and so forth, uh, come out strong on American energy. Well, that's our hope, uh, and yeah. that's uh, you know Mine another too. one of the reasons that we do this this polling and and these activities is is to remind candidates that this, this is an issue with saliency amongst the electorate. And people want to hear from them on this. You know, the the uh, the media is going to be focused on you know a number of other things that are that that's part of uh, the conversation that they want to drive. Uh, and we want to do everything we can to ensure that that this is a a discussion both amongst Republican presidential candidates and, and Democratic ones as well. Yeah, and, and I was surprised it, when you're talking about that. You know that yes, you hope that candidates will pick up on this. Do you do you have a way to get this in front of candidates? Do you have an email list of, of their staff or who are their energy policy walks? We do what we can to, to share it with the campaigns. For, for us, the, the best thing we can do is continue to, to make sure uh, that the, the news media knows about this as well and continues to focus on these issues uh, similar to what you're doing now. Well, obviously, I picked up on it because, of course, energy is my thing. Uh, what other kind of response to your polling? You know, I got an email announcing that this was available. Did, have others picked up on it? 
uh, we've gotten uh, extensive coverage of this, and it's one thing that we're we're really pleased about, uh, especially in the uh, the most recent three states, uh, Virginia, West Virginia, and North Carolina. Uh, where we had asked people specifically about an energy project that is of interest to them there in those states uh, as a way to flesh this out a little bit more, the Atlantic Coast Pipeline, uh, and we're happy to see strong numbers in support of that project. Uh, it's, it's a hot issue in those states, and people are paying attention to it, uh, which also helped drive attention to these, to these more uh, overall broad issues that we discussed in the poll. So the media that the media attention you've gotten for these results has been strongest in those three states. That's correct. So what else do you, are you going to be doing any other polling, any other states? Uh, it's not clear at this point. Uh, we would like to, uh, but that's, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of dictated by, by uh, time and effort and funding levels. Uh, but we're, we're I know those funding and, level issues. Yes. So we're going we're gonna to try and be uh, operational with these types of polls in as many states as possible. And why did you choose these particular states? So, uh, you know, a couple of reasons. First off, you know, uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina are, are the, the first Yeah, those are obvious. Docket. So we like to get in there. Uh, but we, we knew we had uh, an issue that, that we thought needed testing with regards to the Atlantic Coast Pipeline and with regards to offshore energy production in the Atlantic, which the Obama administration has been uh, making some moves to open up a little bit more broadly than, than uh, administrations have in the past here recently. So we wanted to be able to get into the field and discuss those issues with those people in those states uh, where, it's, where it's salient and, and timely. So what other things came out of this poll that were of special interest to you? Were there any surprises? You know, uh, the, the, the biggest thing for us is, is sort of the, the consistency in the numbers that we've seen between, between the individual states uh, on, on the specific issue sets, uh, like Keystone XL, like support for uh, uh, production of electricity from coal-fired generation plants, uh, for hydraulic fracturing. It's all fairly consistent across the states, uh, but also the consistency that we see from year to year. Uh, and, and this is going to be, uh, you know, not a surprise to, to any of your listeners, but the, the polls find continued broad uh, and strong support for Keystone XL. They have over the past five or six years that the project has been in uh, essentially regulatory limbo, uh, and, and that is uh, confirmed yet again, and it's probably going to be uh, an issue on the campaign trail, uh, especially for Republican candidates and for uh, Secretary Clinton. Uh, she works to kind of flesh out her position on the issue uh, because, uh, you know, it, there's, there's the potential uh, that this project is going to, to spill over into the next administration. The candidates will, will probably want to uh, address that early and often. Yeah, and what you brought up there about the um – similarity, even though you asked different questions in the early states versus the three later states that you polled, the, the results really were the same, and I commented on that in, in my comments, is that you really, the results are so similar that it's very easy to draw some, some uh, conclusions across the board from that. It really is. Uh, you know, the other thing that kind of strikes us and that we're happy to see is voters' support for offshore energy production, both along the Atlantic and the mid-Atlantic coasts, 
uh, and in the Arctic on the offshore of the North Slope of Alaska. Uh, that's, that's a priority for consumer energy lights. We think that that needs to be part of an all-of-the-above and robust domestic energy production policy. Uh, and, and voters, even in states that are thousands of miles removed from the areas where this drilling might take place uh, and where the energy production from these sources may take place, uh, even voters in states that are not coastal uh, are paying attention to these issues and uh, do, in fact, support them. Yeah, and that's, a, that's an interesting thing, especially those that are on the coast would that have the potential to be impacted by this. But, of course, as your polling points out, and I commented on, is that the, the people – Republicans specifically, because their their numbers is like 70-plus percent support, depending on the state, but it's like 70-plus percent support for these specific issues. They see, it seems that they understand that energy development and energy infrastructure translates to jobs and economic growth for their communities. We have seen that uh, occur with uh, shale production, uh, hydraulic fracturing, horizontal drilling uh, onshore uh, over the past five or six years, uh, and, and voters understand that. Uh, we think they, you know, they, they translate that knowledge uh, and that experience into what we could do uh, should we open up more federal lands uh, both on and offshore, and I think that's why uh, the support translates the way it does in the states that we polled, even in states that are not coastal, uh, that may not see uh, the activity or the immediate economic benefits associated with that offshore production. Uh, they, they do, in fact, understand uh, that it contributes to the security of, of America's overall position when it comes to, to creating more domestic energy and, and want to throw their support behind it. Yes. Great. We're out of time, Sean. I appreciate you taking your time to talk with us today. We've been talking with Sean Martini, Communications Director for the Consumer Energy Alliance. And stay tuned for our next segment where we're going to be talking with Harrison Hickman, who is the one who did the actual polling. Sean, thanks for joining us on America's Voice for Energy. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. Today we're talking about a poll that was done for the Consumer Energy Alliance. And in our last segment, we talked to Sean Martini, the Communications Director for the Consumer Energy Alliance. And now in this segment, I'm excited to have with us Harrison Hickman, who is the pollster who did the poll. And off-air, Harrison and I were talking, and I told him about a comment on my column on Breitbart.com that uh, accused this of being push-polling. And uh, I was surprised to find that as I was talking with Harrison, how do you want me to introduce you? He said, well, I'm a Democratic pollster. And I kind of went, ooh, a Democratic pollster? Well, it's hard to accuse this of being push-polling then from from, uh, the opposition because Harrison, the, co- the results you found, in my opinion, are pretty contrary uh, to the Democratic Democrats' viewpoint on energy. Harrison, welcome to America's Voice for Energy. Well, thank you for having me. The um, one thing I would say right off the bat is we don't do push polls. Um, I, I, there are people who do that, but we don't. I'm my. I did the poll to find out what people really believe about these issues. And one of the most interesting things is that uh, the uh, energy issues are, for the most part, nonpartisan in terms of where the voters stand on them. Um, you know, voters strongly support energy independence. Um, they strongly support um, you know, completing the Keystone Pipeline, for instance. They strongly support um, uh exploration uh, in various uh, areas of the of the country that haven't been fully explored for energy and you know for many people it's a um, you know it's an it's a patriotic issue it's not really an issue about partisanship as much as it is about making sure that the United States has a uh, a reliable consistent supply of energy so that it doesn't have to get involved in things overseas to protect oil interest. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I certainly see, uh, uh, was pleased in the results of your poll to see that really across the partisan divide that energy issues are important, but uh, that when you look at it with a partisan filter, you look at the partisan divide, there clearly is a partisan divide on these energy issues. Would you agree? Well, on some, on some of the particular issues, uh, Republicans uh, are m- more supportive of uh, particular things than uh, Democrats. But if you look at it sort of as a rather than looking at the differences between the parties, just where do the partisans of uh, each each party stand? Um, there, there's actually a lot more agreement than there is disagreement. Yeah, and I'm one who loves to build on, um, you know, what what unites us rather than what divides us. So that's that's uh, interesting. Can you give us some uh, specifics? You know, I mentioned we've talked to Sean Martini in the first segment, uh, and so he kind of gave us the Consumer Energy Alliance uh, background on why they did this poll. Can you give us some specifics more on the mechanics of the poll and or, or you know, polling in general from your perspective, but more specifically on this poll? Yes. We've done, uh, for the Consumer Energy Alliance, we've now done um, six polls. We've polled in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, Virginia, and West Virginia. 
And um, in, in all of those polls, we were looking at sort of a constellation of energy issues. We looked at, uh, we sampled so that every person in, the, uh, in those jurisdictions, uh, all the registered voters, had an equal chance of being selected. And that means we interviewed people who only use mobile devices, for instance. And, you know, we follow sort of best practices in making sure that our samples are representative of, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of the entire population. So, and, you know, they're very straightforward types of questions. I mean, it, in the, uh, I mean, for instance. Yeah, I reviewed the, I reviewed the documents and, and the questions that were asked, and I, I agree. I, and in my column uh, on this poll, I addressed one of your key questions. I put in there directly in my column because I wanted my readers to see that, yes, these were straightforward questions. They weren't like, don't you think that? You know, they were, they were very straightforward. No, there's no argumentation in it. I mean, you know, there there is a place in polling for, um, you know, asking somewhat more argumentative questions to see if you can push people one way or the other. But, you know, this is just simply, do you know, do you support or oppose expanding offshore oil and gas drilling in U.S. waters? I mean, questions pretty straightforward like that. Yes. And Were you supposed to go ahead? Real, no, there's... There's no argument. I mean, we weren't trying to push people in any direction. We were just trying to find out where people stand on these issues. And were, were there any surprises in it for you, or was it what you expected? Well, I think, I mean, I think one of the surprises we've sort of touched on is that Democratic voters um, are pretty supportive of most of these uh, energy issues, which is, you know, it's often, um, it's often presented as a... Uh, as the parties are in big disagreement, uh, or the, the, you know, the Democrats feel one way, the Republicans feel the other way, the differences are not nearly as big at the voter level as they might be at the, uh, at the leadership level. Uh, the second thing I think that is um, interesting to, to me from a public uh, opinion point of view is that there are, there are some differences that relate a little bit more to um, age you know, older people, uh, people say over 40 years old, tend to be a little bit more supportive of uh, exploration issues than some younger people. Um, and it's, you know, it's unclear whether that uh, age difference is something that will change as people get older um, or if, it's, if there's a more permanent dis- difference. Um, yeah, certainly, certainly the education uh, that has been um, poured into the minds of younger people uh, is different from from those that are over forty. Right, and I think well, and they, that's right. And they I, look, I think we were most people when they're younger are all about sort of creating differences with their elders. Um, I mean, that's that's a big part. Right. Of and so it's not a surprising thing, but there's also a, a tendency of people to of, of those differences to narrow as people get older, and they some people even find out that their elders knew something they might not have known. No, say it isn't so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, the biggest surprise in looking at the the poll results, and I'd like your feedback on why why you think this is, not why I was surprised, but why the numbers are such, was West Virginia. 
uh, when asked about their support, were energy issues going to be important for them, at West Virginia, which is a heavy coal state, which has been hit hard, hard by the policies of this current administration, came out with the lowest numbers of any of the states as to were energy issues going to be important for them. And that didn't make any sense to me. Well, those, I mean, they're really sort of small issues. It's, it's one of these things, it would be, um, it would be like if you, uh, if you ask in, uh, in Kansas or Nebraska if agriculture issues were going to be important to them. I mean, they, it's, it, there's an assumption. You mean it's like it's a given? It, it, that's exactly right. It is a given. There's an assumption uh, that people are going to agree. And it's almost like, well, you know, why would you ask me that? I mean, it, it's that type of it's that type of response more than a more than a significant difference. I mean, the thing that really stands out to me about West Virginia is how supportive West Virginians are of all energy initiatives, not just coal. I mean, I think that that's the that is one thing that that really stands out in West Virginia is that it's it's not as if it's coal against natural gas or coal against. Um, other types of energy issues, <clears throat> you know, it's an energy state, and so they're, they're quite supportive of, you know, all types of energy exploration. Yeah, that, that is a surprise. I, I hadn't focused on that element of West Virginia, though I did notice that there were fewer people in West Virginia than the other states polled who said that energy would be not important at all. Right. No, I mean, it, look, it, it's going to be energy is an important issue in uh, in West Virginia, and it will be in this presidential campaign. In fact, you wouldn't have a, any chance at all of carrying West Virginia if people weren't satisfied that you were a good candidate on energy issues. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons I think where Joe Manchin comes out uh, so differently from the rest of his party. Uh, consistently, right. consistently, he he bucks the rest of his party on energy issues. Right, and, and look, I'm old enough to remember when there were a lot of moderate and conservative Democrats, and <laughs> they, um, the, you know, the people, you know, the people are elected to represent their states, and so people like Joe Manchin, I mean, it, you would, ex you, you know, you would expect it, and you, it, it wouldn't seem to be a, uh, a heretical thing to support energy if, you know, somebody is a senator from West Virginia, just like you wouldn't think it was heretical for, you know, Mary Landrew to support energy issues. Right, right. When she was from uh, the senator from Louisiana. Louisiana, yeah. And, and so, I mean, there was a time when there was a great, when there was a lot more variance in what, especially in what Democratic elected officials thought about issues like energy and so forth. But the, a lot of those differences, as the, as the number of Democrats in the Congress, it's, you know, we have the, the Democrats have the fewest number of House members that they've had since uh, 1928. And as the, as the number of uh, members uh, who are Democrats has gotten smaller, the variance in their attitudes about some of these issues has gotten smaller as well. And can you can you explain that a little more? I'm confused by that. What do you mean by their variance on these issues has gotten smaller? Because well, I, I mean, see it's gotten bigger. Well, no, I mean I think well there are some examples like Manchin. There are some people like that. But I'm 
I'm talking about the Democrats versus the other Democrats. When you have a large majority coalition, um, like the Democrats had for you know a whole generation, mm-hmm. you, you ex- I mean, you can't have a large, uh, persistent majority if you don't have differences because the country's different. You know, the right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Right. And so if you if you have sort of a limited range of views, you necessarily are going to be a small party. And that's what we're seeing is, is that in general on energy issues, the Demo- Democrats have gone, uh, I would say, far left overall, except for Joe Manchin and one or two others. Well, I think I think that's uh, I, I think that's true of the ones who are. Uh, are currently elected now. There are there. Yes, you know, there, yes. There are, are there are some House members, uh, you know, in respect to them who who have different views on these issues. But uh, for the most part, that's true. I mean, they're they're Democrats who support uh, Keystone, for instance. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The uh, the in fact, the newly elected uh, Democratic congressman from Omaha. Uh, it would go right uh, right beside his district. He supports uh, he supports completion of Keystone, and so uh, there are, that's interesting. There, there are exceptions. Harrison, I'm running out of time. Uh, you got a, got a closing comment you want to make on this poll? I kind of steered you in a different direction because it's interesting to me. But uh, you got 10 seconds to say any closing comments on this poll? No, uh, thank you for having me, and thank you for helping me clear up the idea that any of this was push polling. Uh, yeah, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate your clarification, and you've been a fascinating guest. Thanks for joining me today on America's Voice for Energy. We'll be right back. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. This week we've been talking about a very specific poll put together by Hickman Analytics for the Consumer Energy Alliance. But whatever I think of polling, I think of my personal friend Bruce Donisthorpe. And Bruce Donisthorpe has done both public and private polling. He's based in Albuquerque, New Mexico, my hometown, and he's been involved in polling for 10 years, and he's been in politics for 35 years. So he's got a breadth of experience. And so now for the second half of our show, we're going to talk a little more specifically about polling and its place in modern politics. And additionally, Bruce, I reached out to him when I wrote this column this week. I reached out to Bruce for some insights, for some help on am I on the right track? Bruce? Am I saying the right thing? And so I'm especially pleased that Bruce is able to join us today on America's Voice for Energy. Welcome, Bruce. 
Glad to be here, Marita, and uh, glad to provide some insights. I think, uh, unfortunately, pollsters sometimes get a bad rap, you know, the old line, which is probably true, a few bad apples spoil the whole barrel. But just because there's been some bad polls in the past or some polls that have been dummied up to make people believe certain things doesn't mean all polls are bad. In fact, most polls are good polls. Sometimes there's what I call a message that the poll is giving, and people like to shoot messengers, and sometimes they shoot the message rather than look for the insight in the message. And I always tell my clients that a lot of times the real answers and insight you get in a poll is not necessarily what the poll is telling you, but it might be what the poll is not telling you, and it might be some of the nuances inside the numbers that gives some real insights to this. But this is a valuable service. I worked on Capitol Hill for 12 years. Polling is very much an important tool for public policy makers uh, at all levels of government. It's also used in the political world, but it's also used in the media world and in your world, which because it provides specific insight into a glimpse of the American public on a given issue or a set of issues at a moment in time. Well, you know, Bruce, you've set that up really well for me, and I appreciate that because on my column this week, which is always posted on Breitbart.com and many other websites, the title is Republican Candidates Must Be Strong on Energy. And one of the people who wrote a comment uh, says this is a classic example of advertisement passed off as news push polling. Then the next commenter, commenter said, it is just sad that this site even stoops to it now. And this next commenter continues, I am not sure Andrew would have approved. I typed in, and I don't normally respond to these things, but somehow this one, when they said, I don't know that Andrew would have approved, meaning Andrew Breitbart, I responded by saying, I knew Andrew, and I'm confident he'd approve. If you check out the full-length version of my column, and I add an editorial note here, that uh, Breitbart edits my stuff down usually. They, they, they like it to be more like 800 words, and I tend to write uh, 1,000 to 1,200, even sometimes to 1,500 words. So they edited out what I had in about the Gallup and the Pew polling. So I say in, in response, if you check out the full-length version of my column, you'll see that it includes a couple of additional paragraphs citing Gallup and Pew polling that support the same conclusions. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, you helped me. I sent you the, the raw data, 150 pages that I printed out, worth of the raw data on these polls from Hickman, the, the questions they asked and the, the answers that people gave and so forth, because I wanted to make sure, Bruce, from you, that what I was writing was sound. How would you respond to that? Well, I, I think the important thing is, and you hit on it, that the group that sponsored this poll and the pollster itself put out 150 pages worth of data. If that's not transparency, I don't know what transparency is, but I looked that over. But the thing that, as a pollster, was most important to me was I looked at the polling methodology. First off, this is a live poll, meaning this 
reputable firm used live interviewers over almost over a third, maybe close to 35 to 40 percent of the calls were to people on cell phones. And uh, they did a very good job methodologically setting up the poll. And then in terms of diver uh, explaining what the results are, they provided uh, tremendous disclosure. So I think this is clearly a reputable poll. It's not advertising. Uh, sometimes uh, people commission surveys on a given issue to find out what the results are, and then they share those results with people. So if someone wants to say, well, there's an organization here that might support the position of the poll, therefore they put it out, uh, I might say, yeah, but that still doesn't mean the poll isn't correct, and it doesn't mean the results of the poll aren't, uh, aren't, aren't uh, exact, as we find in science. The margin of error of this survey is something like 4%, which is a very good number. It means in nine times out of 95 times out of 100, the results will be within 4% of the numbers that are on this poll. That's about as good as it gets, and that's a, a very good job. And I, I think the poll is, is very good. The fact that it's in line with other surveys like Gallup and Pew, to me, that just makes it all the better. Yeah, I mean, they went a little deeper on some real specifics than the Gallup poll or the Pew poll did. But what the Gallup poll and the Pew poll and this Hickman slash CEA poll found, in my opinion, although this is not what any of their, what their analysis showed, but to me what it showed is there is a big political divide when we come to energy issues. And no wonder Hillary Clinton, in her Saturday, what I call her Roosevelt rally, no wonder she, she uh, borrowed a line from the Obama playbook and called climate change one of the biggest threats of our time. Because only Democrats... Are, is the only group based I'm, I'm talking basically three groups Democrats independents Republicans um, Democrats are the only ones to be become more worried about climate change in in the last uh, several years I think the, the number was last seven years I believe the Gallup poll one of them anyway started was from 2000 and and another one was 2007 but the Democrats are the only ones who are more concerned about climate climate change than they were several years ago, where the Republicans are dramatically less concerned and the independents are slightly less concerned. And I think to even go one step farther, Maria, when you look at the turnout in these primaries, <laughs> these elections that are held in New Hampshire and Iowa and South Carolina and Nevada, which in many ways shaped the future of the presidential race, we only have, in some of these states, Nevada might only have a 7% turnout, Iowa is projecting a 20% turnout, New Hampshire might be 25 to 30%, South Carolina 20%, so, and that's overall, and when you look at the fact that 80% of the people aren't voting in these primaries, let me tell you the conclusion that Hillary Clinton and her campaign has come to. Those Democrat voters that are going to show up in these primaries value the environment issue and global warming 
as major issues in the campaign. She's got one U.S. Senator from Vermont, Bernie Sanders, campaigning on this issue night and day. She hasn't said anything about it, so the fact that Hillary made that front and center an important part of her statement over the weekend reaffirms to me that their polling indicates that the Democratic base, this is an important issue. Doesn't mean it's, it gravitates as much with the American public at large, but the American public at large, unfortunately, isn't voting in these races. And when you cater to those that are voting, sometimes you cater to their concerns and their issues, which could appear to be larger than they are. So you don't think her comment on climate change was a throwaway line? You think it was very intentionally placed? I do, and it's very intentionally placed because she may not win the primary unless she accentuates that position. Um, my polling in New Mexico wouldn't indicate that it's that important of an issue, but two states that have higher populations and segments of progressive uh, voters and voters who vote on environmental issues, which clearly several of the Democratic states do, uh, this is a very important issue, and the fact that she's made that issue front and center and part of her speech indicates uh, that she has to take this position or she may not be the nominee. Yeah, and as I pointed out, that, that the polling shows that the Democrats are the only ones that are more concerned about climate change, where the, the others... Uh, are less, you know, dramatically less concerned on the Republican side. I believe it was a 13-point drop in concern on the Republican side for uh, the issue of climate change. So, uh, you know, my hope, you know, I, I can see why Hillary Clinton would do that, but my hope is that Republican candidates would be as astute as her team is and that they would realize that, well, this is an issue that Democrats care about. Republicans really don't care about it. I think as we, if we go back four years in time to the run-up to the 2012 presidential, we can all remember one of the themes that a lot of Republican campaigns had in a lot of Republican rallies around the country called Drill Baby Drill. And uh, we now have done such an important job of doing that, despite the fact the president has rhetorically not wanted to support that position. So I read an article just a week ago that the United States is now ahead of Russia as one of the largest drilling countries, if not the largest drilling country now in the world. Yeah, we are definitely the largest. We're, we are the largest if you combine oil and natural gas. We are the largest in natural gas and almost the largest in the world in oil. But when you combine the two of them, and especially if you throw in coal, we are the we clearly are the world's largest uh, energy producer in the United States. So, uh, so you know, it's funny you mentioned that 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 uh, the, again that that divide. President Obama, oh, I think it was only like a year or so ago, slightly more than a year ago, maybe perhaps maybe a little more, and he said something about their, they've, they've shown footage of him saying, we cannot drill our way out of this problem. And that line has now become late-night television comedy. We cannot drill our way out of this problem. Yeah, you who we have. 
every time they go to the price pump, they're going, even though the gases are a little bit higher now than they were in January, they are significantly less than they were in 2012. That's money in our pocket. That's money in the economy. And this is an issue. The reason it's important in the Republican circles, uh, the issues you're talking about, is this issue just didn't start yesterday. This issue just didn't start with this poll. Four years ago and going, we've had a Congress, a, a Republican governors, Republican congressmen, Republican senators, Republican leaders that have been not only campaigning on this issue, but working on this issue. And in the private sector, uh, drilling more oil, drilling, making more energy for the country. This is Bruce, we, we, we got to take a we got to take a break. Bruce, my producer's going to shoot me. Can you stay with us for one more segment? Sure. Okay, sure. great. We'll be right back with America's Voice for Energy. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. I've got a new program starting here, June twelfth at eleven a.m. It's called the Prologue, and we'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. Join us, won't you, starting June 12, 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, Visit LibertyOnCall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. I'm talking with Bruce Donisorp, who's a pollster out of New Albuquerque, New Mexico. He deals with public and private polling. And we were having such a great conversation, ran out of time, and so I asked Bruce if he could stay with me for one more segment, and I'm delighted that he's able to do that. So, Bruce, we were talking about how this whole energy issue, before I had to rudely cut you off, we were talking about how uh, this whole issue of energy has been been supported by the Republican Party or the Republican platform and messaging for quite some time. Yes, and I think what we're seeing is I'm not surprised to see the, the high number of Republicans surveyed in these eastern middle Atlantic states uh, that, that support this issue. Uh, I think if I were to go out, I pulled this issue in 2012. You and I together worked on a survey in New Mexico sure. with found similar findings uh, that the Republicans strongly supported this type of a platform and agenda. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised that the Democrats, uh, as many of them, did support this issue. Uh, the, to me, it wasn't so much that 40% of the Democrats supported it. It was sort of like, you mean 40% support it? I, what, what's important to me is when you blend the final numbers together and look at the strong percentage of Republicans that support these policies, a 
stronger majority position from independents that support these policies, and then a solid enough base of Democratic support, when you blend the numbers together, you're looking at an issue that's more like 60-40 in the American political spectrum. And when you get 60-40 on an issue, that's uh, almost as good as it gets. In fact, in the Senate, 60-40 is good enough to shut off debate. <laughs> good point on that. Good point. Yeah, it's um, it is. I was surprised too at some of the uh, in this polling, uh, the Hickman poll that we're talking about today specifically, how strong support of, uh, was among the Democrats. I mean, admittedly, yes, it was not as strong as with the Republicans or the Independents, but in a lot of the cases, the support was still really quite strong among Democrats. Right. And what was what was an interesting thing, and this is sometimes when you look at uh, inside the numbers, um, one of the issues that caught me was in this poll, I'm just going to go to Virginia. Virginia is a state that for the longest time was Republican. Uh, President Obama was able to win that state, and uh, Virginia is kind of turning. It's not as Republican as it used to be. It's a much more competitive state. But Can I just at, throw in there? Can I just throw in there? I was sure. heartbroken that Ken Cuccinelli did not win. Well, I think we, I think a lot of people were. Terry McAuliffe is an absolute crook. This is why voter turnout on Election Day becomes very important. And uh, we've got to turn, make sure you can't assume Republicans will vote at the same rate. And But that's for another issue. But back to this, yes. we talk about the importance of energy issues. And they talk it will be at or near the top for Virginia in the 2016 election. And then they note in their highlights in the summary, an overwhelming majority, 80%, say that energy issues will be either very or somewhat important. Only 17% say they won't be important. And the important thing is, is even uh, Democrats are, while they may say to them it's not one of the most important issues, in the survey they acknowledge that it's one of the most important issues. And that, to me, in and of itself indicates that uh, this, this issue has some legs because while they may not be on board, a lot of times, if you're pushing an issue, you want people to recognize the, that that issue is important. And I think, to me, the real strength in this poll on the issue of what they're polling about is that this energy issue has legs. And I think it's an issue that people see as important. We can all sit here and argue over what specific things we should be doing, but no one really seems to be arguing that this is not an important issue. And to me, that's the important take-home message from this poll. Yeah, I agree with you, and I appreciate your providing your kind of outside insight. You're not the one who did this poll, and, you know, in a way you could be a little bit catty or negative because it wasn't your poll, but I appreciate you giving that that outside perspective. Before, before we end here, can you give us, not that, not that we're near out of time, but could you address kind of the role of polling in American politics today? Well, I think the role of Polling in American politics is uh, to provide an insight and an information and a view. It's it's not a lot different than if, if you're running a business. Uh, let's say you're selling cars or you're selling uh, steaks. It's not uncommon for a 
for a business to hire a PR firm and to conduct what we, we know in the in the business's focus interviews to see whether or not their television ads or their message is uh, being successful and resonating out there. Well, it's not a, a far cry different to do polling. It's just a different way to do the audience identification and to understand where the American people are on a given issue at a certain time. Now, where the polling really becomes valuable is if you're able to design and construct a survey to get the truth and the straight skinny from the American public. And, you know, there, I always tell people this. There's a reason the NSA wants to know everybody's phone number and conversation because the American people will practically tell anybody anything over the phone. So they'll do this themselves. <laughs> do, do, do you think that's because we feel a sense of, an, of anonymity? Well, I can't even say the word, but you know uh, what I'm trying to say. Anonymity. Yeah, there we are. It's a tough word. I mean, the first thing I do, and the, the 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 probably the major thing that a pollster has with their surveys is confidential information. You're going to get their information in exchange for not divulging who said what to whom and how often. And to me, that confidentiality is the most important. It's just like a journalist. They protect their sources to the point to where they'll go to jail if they ask you. Well, a pollster, if they're reputable, they're going to protect who they're surveying. Again, if they, they'll go to jail if they have to because the American people provided that information. And I think people are willing to tell you the straight skinny, but they want to know that they don't necessarily want the public to know that for obvious reasons, because sometimes we're asking questions that can get them in trouble. They will, you want to get their honest opinion, but you don't want to cause them a source of embarrassment or a, or a concern. And, and sometimes that doesn't even work in politics. I've worked political races sometimes, predominantly at the local level, where uh, you've got a real, real heavy negative mayor's race going on and the whole town is practically split 50-50, you may not get people to participate in a poll because they're afraid, well, if I say mayor so-and-so is who I support, my zoning variance might not get approved. So it's a, it can get very difficult at times as, as the heat turns up on a political campaign. You know, you led me into my next question, thank you, and that is I was going to ask, you have been involved in political polling, I mean, being hired by a specific candidate uh, to, to see where, where they are or where their issues are, is that correct? Oh, yes, and I've done that, I've done that for, for the last 10 years. Okay, and that's been your predominant role, is, is being hired yeah. by candidates to do polling, is that right? Yes, but I've also been hired by organizations and third parties as well. So I don't work just for candidates. Uh, sometimes right, I know that since I, since I've hired you, I know that. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I have but, done that, and I still continue to do that. But my lead, my next question, in response to that, then is thinking of this CEA Hickman poll that I've been talking about. You know that my column is on this week. Uh, do you think there's any likelihood, even though this poll was not done by candidates, that they will any will pay attention to this poll? I, I and, and I guess the bigger question really is how much attention do candidates pay to the polling that you do for them, or like this this outside party poll might provide. 
Well, it all depends on who's running the campaign. I mean, if I were in a political situation running in an area where energy is an important issue, and it is in New Mexico, uh, I would certainly have my candidates reading this poll. I don't think it's necessarily different than what I might find if I did my own poll in New Mexico. I've done mm-hmm. questions on energy issues, and these responses don't appear to be out of line with energy questions I've asked in New Mexico. It's an important issue. Issue, the fact that Republicans gravitate to it more than, than Democrats, though there's still a substantial percentage of Democrats that support it, uh, therefore making the overall issue somewhat positive, uh, gravitating in the high 50s, if not to the 60% level, uh, to me, that's what is important here. And the looking at the insight of the poll and the inside uh, numbers based on different demographic groups, to me, that's what's interesting is these numbers uh, pretty much track along with uh, what's, what's different in this particular poll as opposed to Gallup or as opposed to, say, the Pew, is that you've got uh, this is most polls a lot of times are a mile wide and an inch deep. You might say this poll is about a you know, about a quarter of a mile wide, but about a foot deep, and it goes much deeper into the uh, public. And that's where the real insight is provided. And any any person who is concerned about these issues and would choose to ignore these issues will be doing it at their own peril. Well, that's I appreciate that. That's certainly the conclusion that I drew from it, and uh, it's not exactly what the 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 memos that Hickman sent out. But when I read the the documentation, and they sent me an embargoed copy ahead of time, uh, their poll their information was released on Thursday. I got it on Wednesday, and that's about the time I'm thinking about okay what's my column for this next week going to be? And I actually had a different idea in mind. I was going to write on the G7 and their announcement that they're going to decarbonize by the end of the century, and I was going to, my title was going to have uh, reality versus rhetoric in the title. And, but then when I got this polling, I always like to write on something that a lot of other people are not writing on. And so when I got this data, I thought, you know, I don't think this is going to get a lot of attention. And because I, as you know, Bruce, love politics, uh, particularly I get excited with presidential elections, when I read through their data, this presidential candidate angle is what came to me, and uh, that, that's what I drew out of it. And I think uh, we're going to have an exciting uh, presidential cycle. We always do. And this is uh, the, the, the beginning of what should be uh, an exciting season. And one of the things I always enjoy is, like on this issue, I'm sure there's others, uh, seeing similar types of polls on other issues as they give us a glimpse into additional insight into the American public. And a lot of times people don't realize the importance of a poll uh, can go way beyond just what the results say. There's times when uh, you you hear that uh, Congress or a mayor or a governor float what's called a trial balloon. They let an issue out there. They speak about it. Then they poll it. And then, gee, that issue just mysteriously goes away or that <laughs> mysteriously gains momentum. And I think a lot of that's the role that polls play is uh, we don't have to wait until elections to get a poll once every two years. Uh, if a poll is done and it's done right, it can give us a very important poll uh, that can yield 
uh, information on a, on a regular basis. And to me, that's the importance of, and the role that polling plays in the American political populace, and that is that uh, it provides an insight into the American public on a given issue at a point in time, and uh, that then that uh, many times causes uh, lawmakers, city councilors, legislators, congressmen, what have you, to then act accordingly. And uh, we've seen it before, and we'll see it again. And I would imagine, if nothing else, the Democrats who look at this poll will be refining their message to deal with the energy priorities that they have, depending on what they are, uh, to address some of the issues that have been brought out of this survey. Yeah, we're out of time again, Bruce. It's been fascinating. Thanks for talking with us. We're talking with Bruce Donisthorpe out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, on the issue of polling in general and its role on po in politics. You've been listening to America's Voice for Energy on America's Web Radio. Please stay tuned for next week's episode of America's Voice for Energy. <laughs>